This is episode 305 of the Wrestling Brethren Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Wiener, along with Seth Zillman. And on this episode, we preview and make our predictions for WWE Extreme Rules. Hey, OJ Will, get us started. What up? This is Josiah Williams, and you're listening to the Wrestling Brethren Podcast, where wrestling and pop culture collide. Yeah. Welcome in. This is 305. We will be talking extreme rules as WWE brings us another premium live event. And we have a couple of news items to get the show started. But before we can get to any of that, Seth, how the hell are you? Well, could be better, could be worse. Uh, there's sometimes you can't ask much more than that. It's been a fun month so far because I got a lot of stuff lined up for podcasting because over on the Geekle Radio side, October is our annual crossover month where we kind of cross promote everything. So that, that's always a blast each each year, but doing this show is always fun. Corporate synergy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so we have Extreme Rules this Saturday, and with any stroke of luck, I will get this episode up before the show starts so that our predictions are valid. And before we can get to that, there's a couple of news items I wanted to touch on, both of them fairly recent. One broke today, and that is WWE announces updates and changes to their commentary teams across all brands, Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. So I'm just going to read the official statement that was released. Today, WWE announced that Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and Premium Live events will have an updated announce booth starting with this week's season premieres. The news was first reported by Variety on Thursday afternoon. On Friday night, SmackDown, the commentary table will be headed by Michael Cole with Wade Barrett doing color commentary. Samantha Irvin will be the ring announcer, and interviews will be conducted by Kayla Braxton and Megan Morant. On Monday Night Raw, Corey Graves will still be providing his colorful insights and will be joined by Kevin Patrick on play-by-play. Mike Rome will continue to announce from the ring, and Byron Saxton will transition from the commentary booth to backstage interviews. Also joining Saxton in backstage interviews is none other than Kathy Kelly in her return to WWE. Over on NXT, Vic Joseph will be assisted by six-time world champion and WWE Hall of Famer Booker T. Alicia Taylor will still provide her exceptional voice to ring announcing, and Mackenzie Mitchell will once again be conducting interviews. On the premium live event side, Michael Cole and Corey Graves will come together again to announce from the booth. Pat McAfee... Bleh. Pat McAfee will return to the WWE announce booth following his commitments to ESPN's College Game Day. So that's the official statement. My thoughts are this. I'm glad Wade Barrett's getting a shot at the main roster because I think his color commentary is excellent. Uh, I don't know. I think Kevin Patrick's 
accent is going to bug the hell out of me for three hours. Um, so I'm not sure how long that's going to last, but it it's it's going to be like listening to a Seamus promo for three hours. So uh, not sure about that. Cool that they got Kathy Kelly back. Uh, I do not like Booker T on anything aside from uh, pre-show uh, panels, uh, which they don't even do pre-shows anymore. So I hate Booker T's commentary. It's not great that he's in NXT, but uh, what can you do? Your thoughts, Seth? I think probably the biggest surprise out of that is Jimmy Smith uh, going away. Uh, I know he had uh, posted something confirming that he was gone and that he enjoyed his time. I thought he was doing a pretty good job, but uh, it seems like he was a guy that Vince probably would have preferred because, you know, when Vince was in charge, we all know about how it's like if you had a background in wrestling that practically worked against you. It's like if you were an outsider to wrestling, that seemed to be how they would uh, they'd be more likely to hire you. I don't know if it's be so that they can mold you better or something to that effect, but uh, it'll be interesting to see, like, like you said, a guy with a, with an accent on, on play by play. That's something I don't think would have happened under Vince, but I do think uh, Kevin Patrick's good, good at his job and he's a good interviewer. So we'll see if that charisma carries over into play by play commentary. But I think before too long, I'll probably just get used to it. In regards to Jimmy Smith, I did like him. I liked him light years better than his predecessor, who was just stale and boring. Uh, I actually happened to jump in the car during my lunch break, and he hosts a show on uh, Sirius XM on uh, Fight Nation uh, called uh, Unlocking the Cage. And I just happened to catch when he was speaking about his WWE status. And he says that um, in t- as far as from his perspective, he just missed the real sport and the unpredictability of real sport, uh, that an upset can happen on any given night. Whereas in WWE, obviously at the top, Roman Reigns is the guy and nobody's really going to pull an upset on him. And so even though he knows it's predetermined, he just wasn't feeling that vibe at the desk, knowing what's the outcome's going to be and not being able to be, you know, shocked at any given moment. He also said that Triple H inadvertently told him that he was no longer going to be around because he had spoken with Matt Riddle uh, about his history with Daniel Cormier, which we'll get to in the predictions. Um, And so Matt Riddle had given him uh, a tidbit to use for the pay-per-view, like something to mention on commentary. And so uh, Jimmy went to Triple H and says, oh, you know, Matt just told me about this, you know, probably bring it up on the pay-per-view and triple h said this was monday afternoon before raw triple h said oh that's good um give that to cole make sure he makes a note of it and jimmy in like the span of two three five seconds is thinking why would i have to give it to cole oh i'm not gonna be at the pay-per-view okay and so then he had all monday night with the feeling that he was going to be let go and he got the call on Tuesday that he was no longer needed. But his background was in uh, 
more traditional mainstream sports, right? Well, he's done UFC. He's called Bellator. He's called uh, boxing. So he, the last thing he said about it is he said he can't wait to be the answer to a Jeopardy question. Is he's the only commentator who's done play-by-play for UFC, Bellator, professional boxing, and WWE. So, uh, yeah. Well, at least he's taking it with a sense of humor. Yeah. I uh, Some of these changes are going to be good. I think SmackDown is going to be excellent with Michael Cole and Wade Barrett. That should be great. Yeah, yeah I, I've always liked Wade Barrett's commentary. And, of course, he has an accent, too. So yeah, It's not as thick and bad as – I don't want to say bad, but as thick and annoying as uh, a Scott. So no offense to Sheamus, but we'll, oof, we'll have to see. I don't know. <laughs> might have to – I'd have to mute raw. So we'll have to see. Um, The other bit of news, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it. I just thought since it was newsworthy, we should probably bring it up. Um, More backstage conflict in AEW between this time Andrade and Sammy Guevara. And without getting into all the details, they had a Twitter beef over the last week and they were scheduled to have a match last night on dynamite. Uh, Apparently, Andrade got to the building first and waited on Guevara, took a couple of swings. Things got heated. Apparently, Andrade was the aggressor while Sammy was trying to downplay the whole thing. Andrade ended up being sent home, and Sammy ended up being in the main event on Dynamite. Uh, Also, uh, not only was Andrade sent home, but his match against 10 of the Dark Order which was supposed to be mask versus career uh, was also pulled from rampage on Friday. So ah, more backstage drama and strife within AEW. And there was actually a sign in the crowd that said hire an HR consultant. I know uh, that there's been some rumors going around. I did listen to Dave Meltzer and uh, Brian Alvarez talk about it where it seems as though Andrade is trying to get fired so he can go back to WWE, uh, which I obviously not a big fan of. I mean, not not that I not that he shouldn't go back to WWE, but it's like, why would you sign a contract and then try to get out of it? Uh, so I think what I would do in Tony Khan's position is, you know he is under contract, you know, you hold him that contract. Now you can send him home and not use him like WWE has done with many talent over the years. But the issue with releasing him is that it sets that precedent. You know, you risk sending the message to the locker room that, Oh, well, your contract doesn't matter. If you do something bad, we'll just, we'll just let you go and you can do what you want. And by not releasing him, that sends the message that you need this adhere to the contract that you signed to. So that that's really my only opinion on it. I know that uh, allegedly part of the thing is that Sam McGregor, I think, complained about Andrade hitting him too hard. And I think any if if that's the case, I think any old school vet would just shake their head at that because. Like Andrade had said, it's it, it's wrestling, and I've heard a couple times over the years that 
the general protocol is if somebody stiffs you or works snug or whatever, you know, hits you with a, a hits you a little harder than usual, that you give you respond with what's known in the business as, as a receipt. You stiff him back, and once you do that, then you lighten up. It, it, it's like a kind of a feeling out process, you might say. So, I mean, if if that is what happens, then regarding a Andrade working too snug or too stiff with him, then it's I guess it's more probably more of a commentary on the the new school train of thought than the the old school, but. If, if Andrade is the only one that threw punches, which most stories seem to back up that claim, that it was Andrade being the aggressor, then it seems like Sammy didn't do anything wrong, per se. Certainly not enough to get sent home. Not, not only that, he was in the main event and got the pin in the main event. So, I mean, I, I know Sammy Guevara is not very popular right now, but I'm also a fan of truth facts, and let's make sure we know everything we can before we make decisions. I hope I made sense with that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's interesting. From Sammy Guevara's point of view, uh, one of his tweets was uh, Andrade's just jealous because he can't get over now in two different promotions. And from Andrade's point of view, uh, his fiance, or I'm sorry, I think they got married already, his wife, Charlotte, uh, tried to get tried bad behavior to get let go of her contract to join Andrade in AEW. And now Andrade is trying to bad behavior to get out of his contract to join Charlotte in WWE. Well, I am in agreement that he should be sent home and just made to sit the rest of his contract. And the irony there is, is even before all this bad behavior, AEW was pretty much doing that with him anyway, because they didn't have any creative ways to book him properly. Uh, which also was the problem in WWE. So grass is not always greener. And right now for him, it sounds like there's brown grass all around. Hopefully things will calm down. Cooler heads will prevail. And hopefully we'll get less of these stories. Because right now, AEW's got a PR problem. And they're trying to rectify it with just good wrestling shows. But they keep taking hit after hit after hit. And... Uh, We'll have to see how this bodes for them. But moving on to WWE for a premium live event this Saturday in Philadelphia known as Extreme Rules. And there's only six matches announced. I don't think we're in the era anymore where they're going to do any last-minute match additions. What I find weird is the only titles on the line are the women's world titles. There's no tag titles. There's no secondary titles. Pretty strange. But some consider this a B-level pay-per-view. But it could end up being one of the better shows of the year for various reasons. Before we get into the matches, let's get into now this won't count on the scoreboard i just want to get thoughts and opinions do you think we will get a reveal of all the stuff involving the white rabbit on saturday i certainly hope so because this is one of those events that you, you know they try to make money with 
And that, so logically that would be when the play, when the payoffs should happen. So, and, I mean, I, I think it's safe to say that that white rabbit stuff did generate a measure of interest. Cause I know SmackDown popped a huge rating after that uh, went viral. I don't think it carried over into raw probably because if Bray Wyatt's going to be a SmackDown guy, then it would make sense to tease him on, on SmackDown. But, uh, it'll also be interesting if it does happen, what the new look will be. Cause, uh, I, I think it's safe to say that the fiend, uh, didn't really light anybody's world on fire. You know, it was, uh, more often than not way too hokey and it was more boogeyman than it was undertaker. If that analogy makes any sense, but so, and I, I just think since it's one of their major shows, that's where you should have a, a, a payoff. He may not have lit the world on fire, but he certainly was lit on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to have a reveal Saturday. One of the most recent teases in the QR code led to coordinates that are the arena where the P- the PLE is taking place. So hopefully that holds true. Um, could also be Bray Wyatt with a faction. One of the teases was a city by the name of Corbin. And Baron Corbin's been off TV for a while, uh, long enough to be repackaged. Maybe there, it'll be melancholy Corbin this time around. <laughs> there's uh, all these fan conspiracy theories about Karrion Cross being involved. Would he show up during Karrion's match? Who knows? Uh, like I said, there's so many possibilities. I don't want to get into too many details of an actual prediction for that because that's too vague and too uh, wide stroke of a paintbrush to uh, pin that down. Uh, but yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to the show and having my eyes peeled and glued to the TV at all times. So, but let's get into the matches and let's start with, oh, before we get started on that, just to mention that we're going old school here and every match has a stipulation attached to it. So kicking things off in an I quit match, we have Edge versus Finn Balor of Judgment Day. I know I keep saying that when it's a early match, the heels should win. But I know that Edge has been around for a while. And it would certainly be, a, a I would just say, like a, a more positive or happier result that he would win. But I think, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, I think one of the... Uh, seeds that they planted or one of the nuggets that they dropped was edge saying that there's nothing you can do to me physically to make me say I quit. Well, that seemed to leave the door open for them to do something nasty to uh, Beth Phoenix or their kids or something like that. They threatened, they threatened Beth Phoenix or threatened the kids. And that's how he's able to say, I quit. It's not because he was in physical pain. It was, he had to, to save his loved ones. So I'm going to, Put my prediction down as Finn Balor getting the win. Now, Jarrett is out on assignment, but he did leave me his predictions and some details, so I will read those. Uh, For this match, he says, I have no idea. I guess Finn Balor. Judgment Day has taken a couple of big losses at the last two PLEs, and they need to win one here. 
Plus, Edge said, I will never quit, so it's bound to happen anyway. So his pick is also Finn Balor. And I, too, am going Finn Balor. Uh, they got to get some momentum in the form of wins, aside from losing and then a beatdown afterwards. Because saying you run raw does not equate when you lose all the time. So I also agree. I don't know what the dastardly thing will be, but they will do something dastardly in order to make Edge quit. And so that's my thought for this match. In a fight pit match with special referee UFC Hall of Famer Daniel Cormier, Seth freaking Rollins takes on Matt Riddle. I think this is going to be a really good match, maybe even a sleeper of a match. It might even be the best match on the card, you know, possibly. I like both guys. They've also been hinting about Seth Rollins facing Bobby Lashley. I think Bobby Lashley was the one that called him out. And it seems WWE all too often, they, they we call it that 50-50 booking. But Seth has also lost a lot of big matches lately. And for some reason, when somebody loses a bunch of matches, they somehow feel the need to put the title on them. So I'm actually thinking that Riddle will win the match here, but then Seth will go on to win the U.S. title on uh, Raw or whatever the match with Lashley has. So I'm, I'm predicting uh, the babyface to win this one. Okay, from the office of Jarrett, he says, it's about time for Riddle to get some heat back. Riddle wins. That's short and sweet. And I am completing the trifecta again. Uh, Seth has done, he did the three jobs to Cody, and he's basically owned Riddle in this entire feud. And now we're in a match that's queued up for Riddle and to have the advantage. He's got a UFC referee in a UFC match. He's got a UFC background. Uh, it's about time for this baby face to get the win. So I am also picking Matt Riddle. In a six-man tag team, good old-fashioned Donnybrook match, the brawling brutes of Sheamus, Ridge Holland, and Butch take on Imperium, Gunther, Ludwig Kaiser, and Giovanni Vinci. There's a lot of talent in those teams there. And uh, I, I like all the guys involved. I've been a Walter fan forever, you know, Gunther. And they've definitely been giving him a solid push with the IC title and all that. So I'm actually thinking Imperium is going to win. Jarrett's selection is conditional. He says it depends on what happens on SmackDown as Gunther is facing Sheamus for the Intercontinental title. Jarrett says if Sheamus wins the title, then the Brutes win at the PLE. If Gunther retains, then Imperium wins at Extreme Rules, which that's what he wrote. To me, the logic would seem to dictate the opposite, but I'm not going to question it. If he changes it before the pay-per-view or premium live event starts, then fine. But just seems a little weird that there would be a sweep in 24 hours. But so basically, he's picking the team that has the Intercontinental Champion come Saturday. And I am just going flat out with Imperium. Because they're recently put back together and they could use the momentum. 
So going with Imperium. In a strap match, Drew McIntyre takes on Karrion Cross. This one is actually a pretty tough pick because, again, it goes to the do you put heat on the heel early on in the feud or do you reward the baby face for losing the big match last month? So it's a, uh, it's a toss up really it can go either way, but it is, since it's a strap match, that seems like something that they can have where the heel can win, but obviously it wouldn't be a clean victory per se, because it was a gimmick match. So I'm actually thinking cross is going to win the match. Now, Will he go on to, because it's, it's been hinting that he might go against uh, Roman. And I don't know if that will, if the fans will buy that or not, but I'm thinking it's early on. The, the heel gets the upper hand early on in the feud, so I'm, I'm thinking Cross is going to win. I think this is more, well, sorry, Jarrett's pick. Uh, Jarrett says, I hate to see Drew lose at two events in a row, but Cross needs a big debut win, Carrion to win here. Um, I agree. Uh, I think it's not, I don't think it's tough at all. I think it's cut and dry. You have to have Carrion Cross win because otherwise, if you have him lose, you're right back to where you started a year ago last summer when he lost to Jeff Hardy in his Raw debut. So, mm -hmm. uh, Carrion Cross for the win here. In a ladder match for the Raw Women's title, Bianca Belair defends against Damage Control's Bailey. I can't help but notice that Bailey was out for what, like a year uh, with a leg injury or something, something to that effect. You know, learning to walk again and all that. And it's like, okay, you know, we know you're coming off a injured leg, leg here, here, but here, go into a ladder match. match. That, that, that kind of makes me scratch my head, head but. They've definitely been giving Bailey plenty of time for her faction and giving them heat, so it's only natural that they get the belt. So I'm thinking Bailey's going to win the title here, and who uh, partners uh, Sky and uh, Dakota that um, they'll probably get the tag titles. Uh, they already have the tag titles, don't they? Yeah, this would complete the okay. entire faction has the gold. They would get all the belts then because. Yeah, heels put on the belts, put all the belts on them, and they get heat. It seems kind of wrestling one on one. And we already have a male version of that. Why not a female version? Mm -hmm. Jarrett does not agree. He says Bianca wins to set up a program for returning Charlotte Flair. Blech. No, thank you. Um, I can see the logic. I just, I'm enjoying my time without her on my screen. So. Uh, I'm picking Bailey to win the title. Uh, Bianca's run has been a little stale, and it's no fault of her own. It's they, they've attached her to Alexa Bliss and Asuka, and I just hate when your world champion, male or female, is stuck in a tag team or a six-person tag. It's it's lazy booking, lazy storytelling, uh, which is surprising for this regime, but we'll. Have to see what happens. But I'm picking Bailey to win the title. Damage Control has all the gold and needs some baby faces to step up and tell some stories, make some challenges. 
And for the SmackDown women's title in an Extreme Rules match, Liv Morgan defends against Ronda Rousey. I don't think there's anybody on the face of the planet that thinks that Liv is going to win this match. They definitely dropped the ball with her uh, tapping out thing, like tapping out while she was getting the pin. I think that made her look really bad. Uh, so I'm thinking Ronda's going to win the title here, and they will probably start planting the seeds for her to uh, face Becky soon, I would imagine. I, I think well, next year's Mania is probably going to be the the, uh, the main match with her and Becky, so we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes because they really don't seem to worry about the brand split anymore. So anybody can be on any show it seems these days. Well, Mania is not soon, relatively speaking, but uh, in the interim, I'd love to see Rousey versus Baszler. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Rousey versus Deville. At least making Sonya appear more of a challenge than she has in recent past. But uh, Jared agrees. He says, last time I know I said WWE was uh, invested in Morgan and that's why she needed to win that last match. But three in a row over Rousey, they need to be careful not to completely bury Ronda. And new is his prediction. Well, I'm going to buck the trend, and I'm going to be that one and only person on the planet that thinks Liv can retain. I don't really think it hurts Ronda, especially in an Extreme Rules match, to lose here. The only thing that this would have to do is it would have to turn Liv heel at some point, because then she would have three fluky victories over Ronda. And... He, the whole baby face thing has been snake bitten since the match you referenced, Seth. And so, uh, yeah, I think she'll retain as long as it leads to a quick heel turn, either Saturday or Monday or something. Or not Monday, Friday or something. So we'll have to see. Liv's the one that made the challenge for this type of match. Um. Yeah, we'll have to see how it plays out. But I'm picking Live to Retain. And that is the premium live event. Short and sweet, six matches. Uh, like I said, I don't think we're going to get any last-minute additions because no build. That, that was a Vince thing. Um, I think we'll stick with these. Like I said, I think it's weird that we don't have any other titles on the line. Um, but maybe they're banking on the whole White Rabbit reveal takes precedent uh precedence i should say over other titles i mean the intercontinental title will be represented on the pay-per-view or premium live event it just won't be defended so we'll have to see uh are you looking forward to this show i think so because we said it more than a few times over the years. There's there's a lot of times when the show might not look like a very big deal on paper, but the wrestling winds up being very good. So that very well may be what happens here. So I may not watch it live, but you know, I'll, I'll watch it sometime over the weekend. This could be one of those shows where you get good in-ring work and you get memorable moments. So we'll have to see how that all comes together. Uh, Next week, and I'm going to put this out into the universe, uh, 
all things being equal, we will finally get to our fantasy booking show. And we'll see how that goes. So enjoy Extreme Rules this weekend. Thank you once again for listening, downloading, and subscribing. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can subscribe to the Wrestling Brethren Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast fix to hear the latest discussion from the Wrestling Brethren. You can visit us at TWBpodcast.com for posts and episodes. Visit the mothership, if you will, at BehindTheSquaredCircle.com, home of the Behind the Squared Circle podcast network. Let us know your thoughts, questions, and comments at Twitter at TWBPshow, on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Behind the Squared Circle, and on Instagram at The Wrestling Brethren. You can follow Jared on Twitter at The Bacon Rev, and you can follow Josh at Southpaw Josh. Thank you again for listening, and we will talk to you again soon with more from The Wrestling Brethren.